My topic is 18 arguments for Jews not being vegetarians and why they are wrong. The first argument for Jews not being vegetarians is that the Torah teaches that humans are granted dominion over animals in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, giving us a warrant to treat animals in any way we wish. In response, Jewish tradition interprets dominion as guardianship or stewardship. We're called upon to be co-workers with God in improving the world. Dominion does not mean that people have the right to wantonly exploit animals, and it certainly does not permit us to breed animals and treat them as machines, designed solely to meet human needs. This view is reinforced by the fact that immediately after God gave humankind dominion over animals, he prescribed vegetarian foods as the diet for humans in Genesis 1, verse 29. The, the second argument is that the Torah teaches that only people are created in the divine image meaning that God places far less value on animals. In response, while the Torah does state that only human beings are created in the divine image, animals are also God's creatures, possessing sensitivity and the capacity for feeling pain. God is concerned that they are protected and treated with compassion and justice. In fact, the Jewish sages state that it being created in the divine image means that people have the capacity to emulate the divine compassion for all creatures. As God is compassionate, they teach, so you should be compassionate as well. The third argument is that inconsistent with Judaism, vegetarians elevate animals to a level equal to or greater than that of people. In response, vegetarians' concern for animals and the refusal to treat animals cruelly does not mean that vegetarians regard animals as being equal to people. There are many reasons for being vegetarian other than consideration for animals including concerns about human health, ecological threats, and the plight of hungry people. Because humans are capable of imagination, rationality, empathy, compassion, and moral choice, we should strive to end the unbelievably cruel conditions under which farm animals are raised today. The fourth argument is that vegetarianism places greater priority on animal rights than on the many problems related to human welfare. In response, vegetarian diets are not beneficial only to animals. They improve human health, help conserve food and other resources, and put less strain on endangered ecosystems. In view of the many threats related to today's livestock agriculture, such as global climate change, deforestation, and soil erosion, working to promote vegetarianism may be the most important action that one can take for global sustainability. The fifth argument is by putting vegetarian values ahead of Jewish teachings, Vegetarians are in effect creating a new religion with values contrary to Jewish teachings. In response, Jewish vegetarians are not placing so-called vegetarian values above Torah principles, but are challenging the Jewish community to apply Judaism's splendid teachings at every level of our daily lives. Vegetarians argue that Jewish teachings that, that we must treat animals with compassion, guard our health, share with hungry people, protect the environment, conserve natural resources, and seek and pursue peace are all best applied through vegetarian diets. The sixth argument is that Jews must eat meat on Shabbat, the Sabbath day, and Yom Tov, the Jewish holidays. In response, according to the Talmud in Pesachim 109a, since the destruction of the temple, Jews are not required to eat meat in order to rejoice in sacred occasions. This view is reinforced in the works Reshit Kakma and Karen Shlomo and Rabbi Hiskia Medinis de Hamed, which cites many classical sources on the subject. 
Several Israeli chief rabbis, including Shlomo Gorin, late Ashkenazic chief rabbi of Israel, and Shai Yashif Cohen, present Ashkenazic chief rabbi of Haifa, have been or are strict vegetarians. The seventh argument is that, is that the Torah mandated that Jews eat korban Pesach and other karbanot, or sacrifices. In response, the great Jewish philosopher Maimonides believed that God permitted sacrifices as a concession to the common mode of worship in biblical times. It was felt that had Moses not instituted the sacrifices, his mission would have failed and Judaism might have disappeared. The Jewish philosopher Abarbanel reinforced Maimonides' position by citing a midrash of rabbinic teaching that indicates God tolerated the sacrifices because the Israelites had become accustomed to sacrifices in Egypt, but that he commanded they be offered only in one central sanctuary in order to wean the Jews from idolatrous practices. The eighth argument is that Jews historically have had many problems with some animal rights groups which have often opposed shechita, or ritual slaughter, and advocated its abolishment. In response, Jews should consider switching to vegetarianism not because of the views of animal rights groups, whether they are hostile to Judaism or not, but because it's the diet most consistent with Jewish teachings. It's the Torah, not animal rights groups, which is the basis for observing how far current animal treatment has strayed from fundamental Jewish values. As Samson Raphael Hirsch stated, quote, here you are faced with God's teaching, which obliges you not only to refrain from inflicting unnecessary pain on any animal, but to help, and when you can, to lessen the pain whenever you see an animal suffering, even though no fault of yours." Unquote. The ninth argument is that the restrictions of Shechita minimize the pain to animals in the slaughtering process, and thus fulfill Jewish laws on proper treatments of animals. In response, this ignores the cruel treatment of animals on factory farms in the many months prior to slaughter. Can we ignore the force feeding of huge amounts of grain to ducks and geese to produce foie gras, the removal of calves from their mothers shortly after birth to raise them for veal, the killing of over 250 million male chicks immediately after birth at egg-laying hatcheries in the U.S. annually, the placing of hens in cages so small they can't raise even one wing, and the many other horrors of modern factory farming. The tenth argument is that if Jews do not eat meat, they will be deprived of the opportunity to fulfill many mitzvot, or commandments. In response, by not eating meat, Jews are actually fulfilling many mitzvot, showing compassion to animals, preserving health, conserving resources, helping to feed the hungry, preserving the earth, and by abstaining from meat, Jews reduce the chance of accidentally violating several prohibitions of the Torah, such as mixing milk and meat, eating unkosher animals, and eating forbidden fats or blood. There are other cases where Torah laws regulate things that God would prefer people not to do at all. For example, God wishes people to live in peace, but he provides commandments relating to war, knowing that human beings will quarrel and seek victories over others. Similarly, the Torah laws that restrict taking female captives in wartime are a concession to human weakness. Indeed, the sages go to great lengths to deter people from taking advantage of such dispensations. The eleventh argument is that Judaism teaches that it's wrong not to take advantage of the pleasurable things that God has put on the earth. Since he put animals on the earth and it's pleasurable to eat them, is it not wrong to refrain from eating meat?
in response, can eating meat be pleasurable to a sensitive person when he or she knows that as a result their health is endangered, grain is wasted, the environment is damaged, and animals are being cruelly treated? One can indulge in pleasure without doing harm to living creatures. There are many other cases in Judaism where actions that people may consider pleasurable are forbidden or discouraged, such as the use of tobacco, drinking liquor to excess, having sexual relations out of wedlock and hunting, for example. The twelfth argument is that a movement by Jews toward vegetarianism would lead to less emphasis on kashrut, the dietary laws, and eventually to a disregard of these laws. In response, quite the contrary. In many ways, becoming a vegetarian makes it easier and less expensive to observe the laws of kashrut. This might attract many new adherents to keeping kosher and eventually to other important Jewish practices. As a vegetarian, one need not be concerned with mixing milk eggs, dairy products with flesh eggs, meat products, waiting three to six hours after eating meat before being allowed to eat dairy products, storing four complete sets of dishes, two for regular use and two for Passover use, extra silverware, pots, pans, etc., and many other considerations incumbent upon the non-vegetarian who wishes to observe kashrut. The thirteenth argument is, if everyone became vegetarian, butchers, slaughterers, and others dependent for a living on the consumption of meat would lack work. In response, there could be a shift from the production of animal products to that of nutritious vegetarian dishes. In England, during World War II, when there was a shortage of meat, butchers relied mainly on the sale of fruits and vegetables. Today, new businesses could involve selling tofu, miso, falafel, soy burgers, and vegetarian chillin, a Sabbath hot dish. Besides, the shift toward vegetarianism will be gradual, providing time for a tradition to other jobs. The same kind of question can be asked about other moral issues. What would happen to arms merchants if we had universal peace? What would happen to some doctors and nurses if people took better care of themselves, stopped smoking, improved their diets, and so on? Immoral or inefficient practices should not be supported because some people earn a living in the process. The fourteenth argument is that if everyone became vegetarian, animals would overrun the earth. In response, this concern is based on an insufficient understanding of animal behavior. For example, there are millions of turkeys around at Thanksgiving, not because they want to help celebrate the holiday, but because farmers breed them for the dinner table. Dairy cows are artificially inseminated every single year, so they'll continually be able to produce milk. Before the establishment of modern intensive livestock agriculture, food supply and demand kept animal populations relatively steady. An end to the manipulation of animals' reproductive tendencies to suit our needs would lead to a decrease, rather than an increase in the number of animals. We are not overrun by animals that we do not eat, such as lions, elephants, and crocodiles. The fifteenth argument is that, instead of advocating vegetarianism, we should alleviate the evils of factory farming so that animals are treated better, less grain is wasted, and less health-harming chemicals are used. In response, the breeding of animals is a big business. Animals are raised the way they are today because it is very profitable. Improving conditions as suggested by this assertion would certainly be a step in the right direction but has been strongly resisted by the meat industry since it would greatly increase already high prices. Why not abstain from eating meat as a protest against present policies while trying to improve them? Even under the best of conditions, why take the life of a creature of God 
whose tender mercies are over all his creatures, as indicated in Psalms 145, verse 9, when it's not necessary for proper nutrition. The sixteenth argument is that one can work to improve conditions for animals without being a vegetarian. In response, certainly animal abuse is widespread and there are many ways to improve conditions for animals. However, one should keep in mind that factory farming is the primary source of animal abuse in this country. According to the Farm Animal Rights Movement, the number of warm-blooded animals brutalized and slaughtered each year is approximately 70 times the number of animals killed in laboratories, 30 times the number killed by hunters and trappers, and 500 times the number killed in pounds. The group also reported that almost 10 billion farmed animals are killed annually to produce food in the U.S. alone. A typical meat-eating animal welfare advocate is personally responsible for the slaughter of 22 warm-blooded animals per year, 1,500 in an average lifetime. The 17th argument is that if vegetarian diets were best for health, doctors would recommend them. In response, unfortunately, while doctors are devoted to the well-being of their patients, many lack information about the basic relationship between food and health because nutrition is not sufficiently taught at most medical schools. Also, many patients are resistant to making dietary changes. The accepted approach today seems to be to prescribe medications first and perhaps recommend a diet change as an afterthought. However, there now seems to be an increasing awareness on the part of doctors about the importance of proper nutrition but the financial power of the beef and dairy lobbies and other groups who gain from the status quo prevents rapid changes. The 18th and last argument is, I enjoy eating meat. Why should I give it up? In response, if one is solely motivated by what will bring pleasure, perhaps no answer to this question would be acceptable. But Judaism wishes us to be motivated by far more, doing mitzvot, performing good deeds and acts of charity sanctifying ourselves in the realm of the permissible, helping to feed the hungry, pursuing justice and peace, etc. Even if one is primarily motivated by considerations of pleasure and convenience, the negative health effects of animal-centered diets should be taken into account. One cannot enjoy life when one is not in good health. For further information on these issues, please see my many articles, including many questions and answers, at jewishbedge.com slash warts. That's J-E-W-I-S-H-V-E-G dot C-O-M slash S-E-H-W-A-R-T-Z. Thanks for listening.